0: Welcome back to Chasing Dramas. This is the podcast that discusses Chinese culture and history through historical Chinese dramas. We are your hosts, Kathy and Karen. Today, we will discuss episode 55 of The Story of Ming Lan or Zhu Fo Zhu Fo Ying Shi Lui Fei Hong Shou. The podcast is in English with proper nouns and certain Chinese phrases spoken in Mandarin Chinese. If you have any questions, please reach out to us on Instagram or Twitter at Chasing Dramas, or else email us at Karen and Kathy at ChasingDramas.com. And do please leave us a rating on whatever platform you listen to us to. Also, please do check out our website to see what dramas we are currently watching or our latest drama reviews. I have been thoroughly enjoying Luoyang or Luoyang in English and also Xing or Sword Snow Stride, both currently airing on Tencent and I.T. respectively. You can also access them on YouTube. I've written some initial thoughts about the shows on ChasingDramas.com, so definitely check those out if you're looking for a drama to chase during the holidays. For this podcast episode, we'll actually combine the historical analysis with the episode recap since there's actually quite a bit, and then close off with some book differences. In the last episode, our main characters, Sheng Minglan and Gu Tingye, had to act as marriage counselors for their friends, Shen Guoqiu and Madame Zhang. Shen Guoqiu married Madame Zhang, but then also took in his deceased. First wife's younger sister as a concubine. This concubine is unfortunately rather arrogant and was therefore causing all sorts of drama in the Shin household. Fortunately, the husband-wife pair of Guo Tingye and Ming Lin were able to uh, kindle a relationship between Shen Guotiao and Madame Zhang to calm things down a bit. But that doesn't mean Gu Tingye is happy about his own marriage to Ming Minglán. We start off the episode with Gu Tingye and his loyal servant Shi Tou out hunting in the woods. He's taking some time to hide away from his current troubles, aka he's still pouting over why his wife Ming Minglán doesn't love him. Shi Tao and Gu Tingye have hunted down a rabbit and they're currently roasting it over a fire. When I say roasting, I think more like burnt. Sheng Chang Bai, Ming Lan's second brother and best friend of Gu Tingye, whom we haven't seen in a while, comes to find Gu Tingye. Gu Tingye hilariously is like, let's try to avoid him because he hasn't gone to court the past couple of days due to his sulking. And he thinks that Chang Bai is here to berate him for shirking his responsibilities conversation between Sheng Changbai and Gu Tingye is an absolute treat because Changbai responds to pretty much every one of Gu Tingye's gripes in his marriage with an analogy or an anecdote or poem in an effort to provide some advice. And we say it's a treat because we're learning a lot, but also this episode meant a lot of research for us. So let's start off with some fun. For this section, we'll just do the historical analysis along with the conversation because I think it will flow better. Gu Tingye starts with, "Minglan is so heartless." Sheng Bai responds with, "种豆南山下，草盛豆苗稀." These two lines come from the poem "Gui Yuan Tian or "Returning Home" by Tao Yuanming. We talked about this man in episode 5 of the story of Minglan. A quick recap, he lived um, between 365 AD to 427 AD during the Eastern Jin Dynasty. He was a famed poet and considered the father of Tian Yuan Shi, or pastoral poetry, which focused on the serene nature of the countryside, the rural landscape, or the garden. These two phrases are from a different section of the poem that was recapped earlier in episode 5. The translation is as follows. I planted beans at the bottom of the southern mountains. The grass is luscious, but the bean sprouts are few. Sheng Changbai responds with this to tell Gu Tingye that he understands his situation. Gu Tingye put so much effort into marrying Lan, he planted the beans at the bottom of the mountain. In return, Minglan has responded with a lot of gratitude, which is the grass, but not love, which are the bean sprouts that Gu Tingye wants. That's a pretty apt uh, response, right? Good for you. Uh, Sheng <laughs> Changbai. Gu Tingye then continues with how he persuaded Shen Guojio the other day to resolve his family or marital issues. And with hearing that, Shen Guojio's concubine, Mistress Zhou, was very displeased with Gu Tingye. Sheng shen Changbai responds with shen si luo, This translates to the mistress is the vine or lichen and that's spelled L I C H E N, a type of organism that lives on trees, will attach to a tree. Shuom Changbai's meaning is, of course, that the mistress relies on the husband. The husband is the tree. Here's where we nerd out a bit. The si lo actually represents two things: tu si and nu lo. After a quick wiki search, tu si is more or less a vine and 女裸 translates to a type of beard lichen. Both this 吐司 and 女裸 have been found in Chinese traditional medicine texts and in poems. Both have healing properties and have been used to treat various ailments. In poetry, the words 私裸 often are used to represent a female and marriage. The vine is intertwined with the tree, which represents the man. Wu Tingye here is mad at Minglan because other concubines and wives openly care about their husbands and really are the vines that lash onto the tree. His wife, Minglan, nope, is a bramble. He calls her home, uh, which is a bramble bush with prickly leaves who can hold on to her own. <laughs> Gu Tingye is upset that Minglan isn't sad at all about bringing a concubine into the household, meaning or the implication is that he's sad Minglan doesn't exactly need her. I'm going to pause and roll my eyes at Gu Tingye because no one has time for his childishness. He pretty much wants a wife that will be super clingy and needy and he's sad that his wife is not that. Changbai then responds with, or those who want to govern the country must first manage their own household. The phrase comes from Li Ji, or the Book of Rights, specifically from the book Da Xue, or The Great Learning. The Book of Rights is a collection of ceremonial, social, and administrative rights that were compiled for centuries over a, you would say, 2,000 years ago. With this phrase, Sheng Changbai here is blatantly telling Gu Tingye that he stands with Minglan. Sheng Changbai can tell that Minglan is removing all obstacles for Gu Tingye in the household, so that he can have it continued standing in court. If she started throwing jealous rants, that might come back to bite Gu Tingye in court. Let's remind folks of what happened with Man Yang. Gu Tingye had gotten into a lot of trouble in court because he didn't manage that relationship well. She stabbed him in the chest, and the empress dowager made a whole uh, show of it at court. Milan handling a mistress from uh, that was gifted to him? That's a, a good thing on her side. And thank you, Sheng Changbai, for saying this to Gu Tingye's face. Gu Tingye then goes on to say... How does your sister not understand why I'm so angry? She's so intelligent. Sheng Chang Bai responds with one more poem. He quotes four lines. I'll use the YouTube translation because it's quite good. That faraway cowherd star, or Altair, the bright weaving maid, or Vega, separated by a clear and shallow Milky Way galaxy, forever unable to talk to each other. The poem title is actually Tiao Tiao Qian Xing," or That Faraway Cowherd Star, which is Altair in um, astrology. The full poem goes like this. 调调千牛心, 交交和汉女, 先先着素手, 眨眨弄机柱, 终日不成张, 气涕凌如雨, 和汉轻且浅, 相去富几许, 默默不得雨。The whole poem translates to this. That faraway cowherd star... The bright weaving maid. The weaving maid's white and soft hands continuously weaves using her loom, but she cannot complete any piece because of all the tears in her eyes. The Milky Way is clear and shallow. How far are they truly separated? Standing separated by the Milky Way, they look longingly at each other, forever unable to talk to each other. This comes or this poem comes from an anthology of Chinese poems called 19 Old Poems and believed to have originated from the late Eastern Han Dynasty, so around the late 2nd century AD to early 3rd century AD. The authors of these 19 poems are unknown. The anthology in its current form was compiled during the 6th century under orders from the crown prince of Liang, Xiao Tong. Changbai is using the story of the weaving maid and the cowherd to warn Gu Tingye that this couple can't talk to each other because they are separated by the Milky Way and the tragedy of Niu Lang and Shi Ni so that they cannot be together. You both aren't separated by a Milky Way, so it's better just to talk to each other. Sheng Changbai also accurately points out that Gu Tingye's guidance to Shen Guoqiu was also a way for himself to talk about his current woes. In reality, Gu Tingye is actually inwardly upset about his marriage. So Changbai says, 用他只杯酒,交如之快乐。The actual phrase is, 借他人酒杯,交自己快乐。the phrase comes from the Ming Dynasty, so this is an anachronism, by a guy named Li Zhi. He was a Chinese philosopher, writer, and historian, and the phrase comes from the book, The Book to Burn, or Fan Shu, which was a critique of social and cultural norms of the time. The direct translation of this phrase is that one is taking other people's liquor glass and pouring it on one's own dirt mound, That is to say, one is using alcohol to help resolve the issues in a person's heart. Gu Tingye is like, no, what are you talking about? And so Changbai advises Gu Tingye to stop beating around the bush with Minglan and simply tell her what he wants. Aww, Changbai is the absolute best. Someone really needed to tell Gu Tingye to wake up and stop playing these childish games and just like talk to his wife it's also great that chang bai knows exactly what's bothering gu tingye their friendship is one of the sweetest relationships throughout this drama and i'm really happy that uh, they have each other to give each other support hilariously gu tingye then responds with one of his own recitations specifically yo gu sheng yu Yo gu sheng Or, with love comes worry, and with love comes fear. It's hilarious that uh, when he says this, Chang Bai almost spits out the water that he was drinking. The two lines come from Buddhist Sutra. Gu Tingye's greatest worry is that if he tells Minglan what he wants, Minglan will just comply because she's his wife, but he won't actually win her heart, and she won't actually understand what he's trying to tell her. Chang Bai said it correctly. There aren't any problems in the world, but the warriors make problems for themselves. And I gotta say, I'm absolutely in agreement with Chang Bai here, okay? There weren't any problems for Gu Tingye and his marriage, but now he's being all pouty and creating the issues. So he needs to take a chill pill and just be happy that he has an awesome wife. We're gonna just keep... (laughs) reiterating that. Gu <laughs> yeah, literally needs to calm down. Elsewhere, Minglan and Madame Zhang have become fast friends, and while on a walk, Madame Zhang reveals that she's pregnant. Minglan is very happy for her friend. Gu Tingye returns home, and the couple discuss the pregnancy. Lan tries to slip away, but the servants all know what's up, and under the pretense of dinner barricade the couple in the room to give them some <clears throat> alone time meanwhile the servants xiao tao and shi tao's relationship is progressing very nicely as well they are a very cute couple um, their relationship revolves mainly around food <laughs> a couple of months later we are now back at the polo fields ming lan is on the field handedly winning her matches madame zhang is in the stands visibly pregnant, waving her support for Minglan. The evil stepmother, Madame Qin, is watching as well with a gaggle of other wives. Madame Qin is up to her usual tricks trying to paint Minglan in a bad light, but the wives this time surprisingly don't listen. Minglan's close relationship with Madame Zhang has caused many people in the capital to change their minds about Minglan. Their reasoning is, if Madame Zhang, the daughter of the Duke of Ying, who holds much sway in the capital, favors Minglan, then Minglan must have some clout amongst the political families. The wives reveal that even Madame Zhang's mother, the Duchess of Ying, has put in good words for Minglan and instead persuade Madame Qin to stop being so picky of Minglan. After listening to this, Madame Tin leaves with a long face, pissed that Milan was able to turn the tables in her favor in such a short time. This scrambles all of Madame Tin's plans for the marquee title. On the walk out, Madame Tin said it best: There are countless of intelligent people in the world, and many have fought to a bloody demise. Being intelligent isn't enough. Gu Tingye and Minglan act as one unit, which is why it's been so hard to destroy them. Madame Qin resolves that she will wait patiently until this couple reveals cracks in their wall. At the palace, the Prince of Huan, the Emperor's eldest son and close friend of Gu Tingye, comes in to greet the Emperor and the Empress. The Prince of Huan gives an update on Shen Guozhou's marital status, saying that all seems well. The empress and prince congratulate the emperor on his good fortune for having such loyal subjects, but the emperor turns this around and oddly says, it's not my good fortune, it's because the prince makes good friends. This is a rather telling phrase because to discerning listeners, especially the eunuchs, and pay attention to the uh, very quick screenshots of these eunuchs, that it seems like the emperor is displeased with the uh, prince and the faction he has built with these powerful allies. The emperor is suspicious that this group of men are not loyal to the emperor, but to the prince. Where have we heard this Red work before? Hmm? That's right, with the empress dowager and it does not look good for the prince or Gu Tingye for the emperor to have such uh, suspicions. People who have watched empresses in the palace will know that the moment an emperor becomes suspicious bad things happen for uh, the person on the other side. In the evening, Gu Tingye and Minglan are out on a walk headed back home. Gu Tingye points out that his loyalty and the loyalty of the group of people from Yuzhou, so his friends, Shen Guozhou, the Shen family, and even the prince of Huan, plus some other generals, were gained through blood, sweat, and tears. They fought and died for the emperor, and so their loyalty isn't something that can be replicated. The politicians and courtiers in the capital didn't lose an ounce of blood and are claiming that they are loyal to the emperor? Who knows what they're actually thinking about? I think what Gu Tingye is saying is important because, if you recall, in the Song Dynasty, the military is highly looked down upon because the emperor who established the Song Dynasty, Zhao Kuangyin, knew that the military could overthrow an empire and therefore purposefully weakened the strength of the military to prevent such a thing happening to the Song Dynasty. How did the guy know this? Because it's exactly what he did. Gu then recounts the story of Shen Guozhou and his late wife and how loving the pair were back in Yuzhou. They had a strong and loving relationship, but once she died, the Zhou family couldn't reap any of her rewards. That is why the Zhou family was so eager to push the mistress into the Shen family. It was all to keep power and relations with the imperial family. This has all been a game of politics. Milan Lan understands that as long as Madame Zhang and Mistress Zhou don't fight in front of Shen Guojiao, then he can pretend none of this is happening. She might not agree, but she does acknowledge that Shen Guojiao wants to be spared from trouble and basically is a selfish man and wants to be happy himself. Where did she learn this from? It has to be her father. And that's pretty much how her father dealt with the drama in his household. Gu Tingye once again asks Minglan what she would do if she was in this situation. Minglan responds that she'll endure and she'll heal. Gu Tingye grasps onto this answer and presses on again to ask what she would do if this happened to her. Minglan promptly turns around and responds that she doesn't know, but she won't commit suicide. Gu Tingye is unhappy with this answer and responds, really? Minglan... Justly turns around and faces Gu Tingye to rather heatedly say, what do you want me to do? If you have a change of heart, do you really want me to place a knife on my neck and one on yours and live out our days? Is that a way to live? So in Chinese, the word she used is 菜刀. And that is a, uh, what would you call it? A vegetable knife. So that's a very fun like image. She's like, do you want me to put a, a vegetable knife on my neck and a vegetable knife on your neck? I think it's more like cleaver. It's just a large, large knife. Yeah. (laughs) Gu Tingye cannot comprehend this answer. Milan and I don't understand his response. I think what she said, what Milan responded to, was a perfectly valid thing to say. Women don't have much recourse if their husband cheats or has a change of heart. So rather than cause a fuss, find a way to live out peacefully. Gu Tingye is not having it. He then goes on to say some f- ridiculous things including if Minglan had the option to choose again, would she choose him or Ti Hong? Pause. What kind of question is this? Minglan chose you, so she would never ever choose Ti Hong. At this point in the conversation, I'm kind of like, what are you doing, Gu Tingye? Because he has the gall to ask Minglan that when she confronted Qi Hung about his actions in court, was it really for him ku ting yeo, or for Qi Hung? Now, this entire scene seems to have been shot in one take, and quite a bit of it was probably improvised, or else the director allowed the pair to keep acting despite some flaws. It's one of the most naturally hilarious scenes in the entire show because... Gu Tingye is so over the top in his frustration with Minglan, while you can tell Zhao Liying, the actress for Minglan, is almost laughing in some moments. She's struggling to keep it together, and it's so funny, especially when he's trying to hug her. You can tell she's cracking up. Minglan responds to Gu Tingye that, of course, she spoke to or she confronted Ti Hung for him, Gu Tingye, Hello. She risks her entire reputation to tell Ti Hung to back off. Gu Tingye is over there salty that she told Ti Hung to stop meddling in court matters, and she didn't say any of this to him. Gu Tingye keeps harping on why Minglan doesn't understand him, why she, she doesn't care for him. <laughs> Minglan is totally bewildered at Gu Tingye's attitude, and uh, right here she's definitely cracking up with um, Gu Tingye's actions. The aftermath of this, to me, a rather hilarious conversation is that Gu Tingye and Minglan are no longer sleeping in the same bed and Gu Tingye has actually moved out. Word of this has traveled fast and Madam Qin is already plotting her next move. A few days later, Minglan has fallen ill and summoned a doctor. Gu Tingye is surprised to hear of this, but decides not to act. Instead, he informs the servants to summon the doctor after the visit with Minglan to report back. In her own rooms, Minglan does not summon the doctor. Instead, she informs her maid Tan Zhu about a marriage proposal for her. The lucky man is one of... Danzhu's older cousins, who apparently has waited for Dan Ju for years, Minglan vows to give Dan Ju a grand wedding. Master and servant have a touching scene as they must part, given Dan Ju's impending marriage. Gu Tingye is still waiting for word from the doctor, but gets no details. Shi Tao tries to persuade Gu Tingye to move back into Minglan's rooms, because at this point Xiao Tao is also mad at him. <laughs> For the rest of the episode, we will turn our attention to politics. Prime Minister Han pays a visit to Gu Tingye to discuss the ceremonial rituals of honoring the late emperor Song Renzong and the current emperor's biological father. At court, the minister Han and Gu Tingye are in one camp. Minister Han proposes that the current emperor titles his late father, the prince of Shu, as Huang Kao or royal father the empress dowager is in the other camp and disagrees the late emperor song renzong adopted the current emperor before he died and of course should be titled as the royal father the two camps fight over blood versus adopted father gu tingye is summoned to provide his opinion gu tingye agrees with minister han xi honglo disagrees He cites the customs of the common folk in which adopted parents are considered as parents and the place where one comes from are just relatives. The royal family is not exempt from this custom. Minister Han presses on. If the emperor calls the late emperor as royal father, then what should he call his own father? Qi Hong responds, Huang Bo or royal uncle. Hong and Gu Tingye get into a heated argument, which culminates in the Empress Dowager passing punishment on Gu Tingye. He is to be caned 20 times. And that ends episode 55. A lot happens politically, but we're still treading the same beats between Minglan and Gu Tingye. (music) Now on to the historical analysis. We've already discussed quite a bit, but there are a few more items that we want to talk about. First up is the phrase, 万言万当不如一没。The translation is, 10,000 phrases or actions are sometimes no better than silence. This was spoken by Gu Tingye when he was mad at Minglan as to why Minglan tried to persuade Ti Hong to stay away from the political fighting between him and Gu Tingye. Gu Tingye was disappointed that Minglan told this to Ti Hong but never said those words to himself. The phrase originates from Huainanzi, which is a collection of Chinese texts and essays that were the result of a series of debates held at the court of Liu An, the prince of Huainan during the Western Han dynasty around 140 BCE. And about 21 books of these debates actually survived to present day. This scene also is funny because I'm pretty sure Gu Tingyi's actor Feng Xiaofeng forgot in reality what this phrase is supposed to be. So you can tell in the, in, the, in the scene, he was like, Wan Yan Wan something. And Zhao Liying steps in and says the actual phrase. So I feel like that's what I'm saying. This scene, there are probably some errors in the, the filming, but the director was like, no, just keep going. And I really appreciate it. Or they're just really good. They had pretty good chemistry. That too. Next, which is the main topic of next week's episode, revolves around the debate towards the title of the emperor's late birth father and the late emperor. In history, this debate is called Puyi, or the debate of Pu. I found a Chinese article that does a pretty good recap of the debate, so I'll translate what I can from there and also provide um, some of my thoughts. Let's first start off with the actual history. So once again, the current emperor is now Song Yingzong. His father was the prince of Pu, or in the drama, the prince of Shu. We'll just move on with history now. The prince of Pu and the late emperor Song Renzong were first cousins, as they had the same grandfather, the emperor Song Taizong. Song Renzong agreed to have Song Yingzong as his adopted son and named crown prince early in the man's life. But Song Renzong then had a son and stripped the man of this title, which led to a pretty lasting effect on Song Yingzong. Unfortunately, the young son died at the age of four, and 27 years later, with Song Renzong again having no male heir, he re-adopted this current emperor Song Yingzong as his crown prince, and Song Yingzong ascended the throne. There was no coup, as was shown in the drama. Now, all of this back and forth really does screw with a person's head. Song Yingzong, upon ascending the throne, was adamant about naming his father as Huang Kao. Kao is the word the living refer to to one's deceased father, grandfather, or direct ancestor. And this was written in the Book of Rites, which, as mentioned earlier, was written over 2,000 years ago. Prime Minister Han Qi and Yang Xiu stood on the side of the new emperor and pushed to pass the law to have Song Yingzong's birth father posthumously titled as Huang Kao. Unfortunately, previous history was not on their side because precedents, set during the Han Dynasty, the Three Kingdoms era, and even the more recent Five Kingdoms era, all stated that the adopted father was the rightful father. Song Yingzong was technically in the wrong. We'll see what happens in the next episode as they resolve this whole discussion and debate. And I will also provide some more historical context with what happens um, regarding this debate. All right, that was a lot of history today. Let's move on to book differences. Because the book was set in a nebulous time period, the book didn't get to the whole debate over the titles for the late emperor. The drama decided to highlight this to be closer to history. Minglan and Gu Tingye don't have this prolonged fight over Gu Tingye's childish games, so thankfully that doesn't really take up much time in the book. Minglan is much more focused on dealing with all of the other relatives of the Gu family and running her own household than in the drama. Minglan does indeed find Dan Zhu a very happy match. The same man as described in the drama. And we'll see more of that play out in future episodes. And that is it for today. There was a lot of historical references to go through, and we certainly did a ton of research and nerded out quite a bit. So we hope you also enjoyed it as much as we did. As always, feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions on what was discussed on our podcast. Like I said, I'm currently binging Feng Luoyang or Luoyang and Sword Snow Stride or Xuezhong Xing, which are both rather enjoyable. So if you're looking for something to chase right now, those are some pretty good options. We would also like to point you to our sponsor Jubao TV, where if you are in the U.S., you are able to check out a number of Chinese dramas and movies for free. Those do have English subtitles and can be accessed via the website Jumo or XUMO or on TV through Xfinity and Cox Contour. Thank you all so much for listening and we hope you are having a fantastic holiday. We will catch you in the next episode.